Hello and welcome to the Fourth Dose Cast. I'm Brian Dawes. I'm Chris Delano. And I'm Carrie Thomas. And uh, that's who you're getting this week. We don't have a Lorelai or Jay because those cowards refuse to be on. St- no, that's actually uh, they're just watching Godzilla tonight. Did y'all know that? Did y'all know that uh, Jay and Lorelai gave up on the podcast to watch Godzilla? I had no idea that either of them liked Godzilla. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is that is where they are tonight. They're watching some Godzilla. Uh, good for them. But we're here to discuss the stories of the Brothers War. And technically, uh, these are the, quote, side stories <laughs> for the Brothers War. Um, these are the present day stories, which if you uh, if you go to the website, they are still listed under side stories on the story tab. But these are like equal in importance to this the to the past stories if not more important arguably more important depending on yeah. if you know present day characters yeah so they are the main storyline for current magic story yeah they're uh they're, they're really good um all of the so they did a really cool thing and we can talk about this uh when we do like i guess our wrap up on all of brothers war maybe after we talk uh the past stories too uh they did this thing where they have one author writing the past stories, which is uh, uh, Miguel Lopez. And then they have Reinhardt Suarez, who wrote the present stories. And uh reason we're talking the present stories first is that uh, all things go according to plan. We will have an interview with Reinhardt Suarez next week to discuss writing these stories. So really looking forward to that. So we figured we should cover them. Uh as for news, what is going on in Magic? I don't really follow. Is there like a new set coming out? I don't think so. Um, no, we've never heard of anything like that. There's Daylight Savings Time. Oh, That's yeah. Fun. yeah. That's is like, that... you could make that into a Magic thing if we want to like riff for five minutes on a bad joke. But <laughs> uh, Teferi to, to saves the daylight. Is that is Yeah, that a there you go. Perfect. We didn't even have to last that long. <laughs> Goodness. It'll be one of the last ones here in the U.S., so quote-unquote last. Well, uh, in, in actual news, uh, by the time you are listening to this, all of the Brothers War set cards and, like, Commander cards and everything will have been previewed. So uh, go look at the cards. They're pretty cool. I don't know much else to say until we do, like, a Flavors Gems. Flavors Gems? Fla- the Flavor Gems? How do you... Yeah. Um, the singular so- <laughs> Flavor Gem episode. The singular flavor gym episode, which will come out at some point, probably like next month. So, uh, yeah. But this week we're covering story, and that's why Carrie's here. Woohoo! We're doing the present stories of the Brothers War. So these are all taking place uh, after the events of Dominari United. Uh, depending on which story you're reading, the period of time that has passed is, you know, some amount. Um, we don't know exactly. It's not long, but it's. It's long, long enough. Yeah, it's like Who knows? it's been long enough where like things have happened, but it's not long enough where like drastic things have happened. Like two and a half months, Exelon time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my joke. joke. Jesus. <laughs> it's an older joke, but it checks out. They're on Dominaria, so we don't actually know how much time has passed. Um, but uh, I guess... Uh, I can get us started if we would like that. And we can uh, sort of, we're going to do kind of a high level view of the episodes because we're covering, uh, I guess they're, yeah, I guess they're called chapters. They're not called episodes. So it's like chapter one instead of episode one. The episodes are the the present or the past stories. Um, So ignore the fact that I wrote episode in front of everything on our little summary chart. It's chapter. I'm pretty sure they've flip flopped on the terminology for chapter and episode in the past with magic stories like ever since dominaria 1.0 so we're justified in being a little confused dominaria 1.0 also known as alpha beta unlimited no no (laughs) (laughs) so uh chapter one uh these are by reinhardt suarez chapter one is titled stronghold so a a really cool thing that reinhardt did throughout all of the stories is every story is named after a magic expansion so like a set uh could be beginner level could be expert level you know it's one of those um and uh every single one starts with flavor text quote so uh i'm sure making brian happy the first episode or the first chapter stronghold starts with a quote from eladomri lord of leaves uh, there are times when destiny calls forth a people and demands an action now is the time 
we are the people. This is our action. Um, yeah. It's so good. It's good stuff. Uh, the first episode starts off with Teferi, and he's sort of gathered the defenders of the multiverse, uh, the planeswalkers who are his friends. They're not all Gatewatch members. Some of them are. It's like Teferi and Kaya are there. They're definitely Gatewatch, but like Sahili is there. Sahili, as we saw at the end of Dominar United, is helping with some time travel stuff. Uh, and they've all gathered in Urza's Tower, the the like legendary Urza's Tower, not like the one that you can tap for three mana sometimes. But uh, <laughs> the Urza's Tower, his like tower that he had when he was like the, you know, Lord High Artificer. Um, but his tower is still standing. It's got some defense measures up. Uh, so he is, uh, you know, Teferi's gathered everyone there and they're sort of using it as a base of operations on Dominaria. Uh, and uh, Sahili is also there to help build a time travel device to send Teferi back in time. Um, Elspeth shows up and uh, <laughs> you can imagine how happy she is with how things were handled, especially regarding Ajani. Um, she is very much upset when she hears that Ajani has been completed. Uh, she is very upset with the fact that they're just toying around on Dominaria instead of just taking the fight to Phyrexia. Uh, she's a little despondent and uh, it takes her a minute, but she does eventually come around and decide to join them in their fight and stay on Dominaria and uh, protect them while they figure out how they're going to detonate the Silex that they lost. Is this also the story where she finds out they're possibly going to work with Tezzeret because they have no other choice? Uh, I think that is, is that this story or is it later? I'm pretty sure because it was Vivian that mentioned it. Yeah, Maybe. Vivian mentions, Vivian mentions working alongside Urabrask and like. Oh, that is. That yeah, is this Kaya. is, the, this is, yeah. this is the first episode Um, because sort of getting on to the story there, uh, we, we do get like a full confirmation of everything that's going on. So like, we've kind of all known these things because like. We pieced it together, but this is the first time in story where we get a recognition that, like, yes, Vorinclex used the planar bridge that was in Tezzeret's chest uh, to go to Kaldheim and steal a seed from the world tree. And now Elish Norn is going to use that to build a tree that's going to connect all the planes so that they can invade every single one of them simultaneously. We figure out that Urabrask is very much like anti Elish Norn and Vivian has sort of like created a tense like friendship not friendship it's like an allyship uh with Urabrask and uh this is where Elspeth is sort of like uh I don't know if I want to work with y'all y'all are planning on allying yourselves with Tezzeret and Urabrask and uh I don't like that and so it takes her a minute to come back around though um yeah she also finds out Koth is still alive so this is a story where we discover that Koth is still alive. So like, Koth watch, uh, we, we were talking about this before the cast. We are getting Koth in the next set. There's like not really, there's not really a way we're not getting Koth, right? I've been disappointed for a decade before. Yeah, like I'm not going to say there's no way, but like I will be very, very disappointed if there's no Koth in the next set. Yeah, I I would be pretty shocked. Um, Legitimately one of the longest gaps that a story character has had. Like, discounting even probably Tafiri coming back from Mending to the Dominaria set. It has been a literal decade here. So. <laughs> yeah, and it's not just that Koth hasn't had a card in that time. It's that Koth has literally not shown up in story in that time. But also not had a card. Insult to injury. Yeah. Not even a supplemental. Couldn't have thrown us a bone. Couldn't get Koth in Arena. Like, there's just no <laughs> Koth. Um, so uh, we know during this episode that uh, Sahili is building the Temporal Anchor, as she calls it. Uh, this is a device that is, like, you know, bringing together everything. Um, we're going to discuss that. You get more details in the second episode. Uh, a big thing about episode one is it is very much like Teferi's, like, grappling with his position as essentially the leader of these like forces against Phyrexia, he feels a little bit like he's stepping into Urza's shoes because like he's literally leading a fight against Phyrexia from Urza's tower. So it's uh, he's a little bit reckoning with that feeling. But being more polite about it, only enlisting people who really actually want to help the cause instead of um, 
you know, scrapping together whoever he can grab. Yeah, it's uh, he has like a great conversation with Rin about it with uh, Rin of Rin and Seven fame. He's not really talking to Seven that much. He's mostly talking with Rin. Um, and uh, they have a great talk about like Urza and like Urza's legacy, uh, not the set. The children of Urza. Yeah. And it's it's some really good writing. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we interview Reinhardt, I think, because I would love to know what sort of inspired these these like thoughts that Teferi has about his relationship to Urza and also like Urza's impact on the current story. So uh, that's episode or excuse me, chapter one, Stronghold. Uh, episode two is Antiquities. Um, it, we find ourselves with the Healy uh, building the temporal uh, anchor. Um, and it's powered by the Weatherlight Power Stone that uses the Moon Silver Key um, to allow a spirit to travel back in time using Kaya to kind of use, like, Kaya is using her ability to transport spirits through space, and she's basically shunting Teferi's spirit through time using the temporal anchor. <laughs> but uh, there's an issue that. Uh, there seems to be a ghost sabotaging or some kind of spirit sabotaging the machine that Kaya notices after it goes uh, boom after one of their test runs. Um, <laughs> so Sahili is kind of of the opinion that, you know, we should try to talk to it to figure out what's going on. Kaya's like, eh, spirits doing a... Uh, 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 a prank thingy tends to not go well, and they're probably not gonna. You're probably not gonna be able to talk to it, but you know they insist, so they try to capture it and, or at least, make it material so that they can interact with it. And Kai is able to force it into uh, tangible. I don't even know if that's the right word. Um, tangibility, or it's like she like. They, they work together to make it so that they, like, enhance the power that the spirit has so that it can be more, like, present. Because yeah. part of the problem is that, like, they can't really see the ghost. It's, like, very faint. Um, and so they, they kind of, like, give it a little bit more. Uh, they thicken up the sauce a little bit, you could say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. Uh, so they, they the, the ghost is able to physically manifest. That's the word I was looking for, manifest. And as soon as it does that and realizes that it's it's kind of trapped here, uh, it damages the machine again after Basili has fixed it. And uh, it kind of takes off, but it can't really go through the way that it, it, it was moving before. Um, they finally corner it and uh, they find out, they realize that it is uh, the ghost of General Sharaman. Urza's general through the war who wants to destroy anything that the snake, aka Urza, built. They attempt to reason, but Kai has to re-kill the ghost. Um, you know, it's a whole mood. I, I kind of get where they were coming from. It's like, Urza can't be trusted. So, anything that has his fingerprints on it one way or another, immediately distrust by the spirit. And I, I get it. So we also get some flashbacks of Sahili back on Kaladesh where she's forced to help Gonti after he is kidnapped and ransomed her uh, family into helping her or into making Sahili fix his Aether heart. Um, and we, uh, I got this wrong. Uh, Gonti uses they them pronouns because they all, well, most of the, the Aetherborn that we have seen use they them pronouns yeah. um i don't know if all of them do but the ones we have seen do yeah you know it's they don't have like a aetherborn are cool and we need more stuff about them because like the whole thing about them is that they they don't have like assigned genders at birth you know so like but at the same time i don't know if that would stop an aetherborn from using other pronouns like, there's nothing stopping an Aetherborn from saying, like, you know, I use he, her, him, or she, her pronouns, or anything. But, anyways, well, yeah. Yeah, so they uh, convince Sahili to f fix uh, their Aether heart, and they kind of uh, interact with Sahili in a way that kind of gives Sahili a, a, some measure of 
grudging respect for Gonti and the way that they've done things, I guess. Not necessarily how they've done things, but how they've approached survival in the, in this way. Um, but it also impresses upon Sahili, uh, to win the war, you must become the war. That is the way of things. Um, but uh, Joda, we, we flash back to the present, quote-unquote, and uh, Joda realizes that the uh, orb that this ghost manifested from actually contains a pocket dimension that was left there for Teferi by Urza that has detailed plans for the legacy, uh, which also contained uh, a construct of Mishra and, and I'm sorry, not Mishra, Zancha and Ratape, who looks like Mishra. <laughs> but it's called Mishra, yeah. <laughs> In the story, they they call that character Mishra over and over again, uh, but it it wouldn't make sense to be Mishra. Like in this case, it's like almost definitely Ratape, um, which I thought was really funny. But yeah, it, it's basically, I think this is the first time that I can remember like the word pocket dimension like being used in a non D and D way on a magic well, card. We've got the the meditation plane slash prison realm, which kind I, of functioned as a pocket dimension initially. Yeah, but it, but you never like they never really called it a pocket dimension. Yeah, because like it, it's still technically on the plane of yeah. of Dominaria. It's not like an entirely different plane because the meditation plane is a separate plane. Whereas this is like a place where your mm-hmm. consciousness seems to go. I don't know. It, it, it's it's a weird metaphysical thing that we haven't really seen that much of in magic. And it was really intriguing to me when I, when mm-hmm. I was reading it. Yeah, I, I thought it was really interesting because it like um, it does like beg the question of like how many of these little pocket dimensions exist out there? What is what are in these pocket dimensions? Exactly. So, yeah, because like the the way that we understand it is that this was created by Urza as like a place for him to put all of his knowledge of his plans for stopping the the Phyrexian invasion, Circa invasion block. Uh, and he like put it all there for Teferi, thinking that like, if I fail, if we fail, the person who I trust to carry on my plan is Teferi. Um, because that's what like the Xantia and Ratape who are in the pocket dimension are like, you're not Teferi. That's who we're expecting. Um, so I thought that was really neat. It's like, hey, We've been like grappling with this idea of like Urza and like his legacy and his children. And like Teferi has been grappling with that. And it's like, oh, look, Teferi, you were really like his chosen successor. You're in this position. Urza would have picked you. Um, but yeah, I also thought like the in the story, the like cutaways to the past with Sahili on uh, Kaladesh and Giripur was pretty cool. Um, I thought that was really fun. It was <laughs> It's it's a good story. Like it's a really like tense story where like Sahili like thinks that like her family's gonna die if she doesn't help Gonti, and then Gonti reveals at the end like I called off the people who were like kidnapping your family the moment you started helping because I knew that like you wouldn't be able to stop yourself <laughs> once you <laughs> once you got started like you were gonna finish like they weren't worried about that. Um. So uh. Yeah. Good. Good stuff. Like story too. And magic story. Once again, um, thrilled to realize yeah. that they're mana constructs. <laughs> <laughs> but but it is interesting because like I don't think we've seen a summoned legendary creature kind of counterpart in story for a while, and mm-hmm. like I don't know, it's interesting. Interesting. It was of- as like an aside. It was really fun, kind of like. The, the I don't want to say newer Vorthoses, but like maybe Vorthoses who are not like as in touch with like the olden days of magic and like explaining like, yeah, mana construct was everything. Like back in the day when you were a planeswalker, uh, <laughs> every creature you summoned was a mana construct. Like that was the idea. Um, and that's why you pay mana to cast creature spells. You are creating that construct. So cool, like throwback to the olden days. And when do we get a Ratape, uh card? We just got like four Mishra cards. We're good. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so episode three, Nemesis, um, probably the sequel to Dark Discoveries from all the way back in the day <laughs> that webcomic. 
Um, kind of. It's, it's like, you know, mo- many years later, but it yeah. is. It is Tezzeret back on New Phyrexia. He loves to be here. He says this place <laughs> is great and everybody <laughs> enjoys it. And I'm not scared of it at all. I'm very strong. Um, so Tezzeret's <laughs> there. He's watching Karn being probed and prodded by machine priests um, with Ajani overlooking the procedure. Um, Tezzeret uh, wants his reward for all this, which is revealed to be not as I guessed the Morari, but in fact a new dark steel body because the planar portal, the planar gate, planar um, bridge, planar He's bridge, pulling a Tony Stark and Iron Man too. They're, they're all legal <laughs> cards, right? The planar bridge I think so. is eating away at his body. Um, so Tezzeret is Tony Stark from Iron Man too. Yes, it's kind of. I mean, like I wouldn't have guessed this. Um, this is a new reveal for this story is that yeah. the planar bridge is like actively doing damage to him and threatens kind of the more structural <laughs> integrity of his body by um, being part of him. It kind of makes sense because you have something of unimaginable power that's able to bring things from across the multiverse to places in your chest that, that's got to have some kickback of yeah. some sort. It's probably... Probably wasn't the best idea in hindsight, but um, he did need it to transport a number of things back and forth. So kind of worth it. Um, I I would like to propose, and I know this is a little bit of an aside, but we keep saying it's in his chest. Technically, like it's just in his like torso, right? Like it is like not necessarily specifically in his chest. Okay, but I'm not going to lie. I always thought it was like in his armpit and he just like got to open his arm wide and like make it. I, I would like to propose that we refer to it as in his tummy. He's got the planar <laughs> bridge tummy in his portal. tummy. Oh my god. <laughs> He's got a little belly portal. <laughs> Absolutely not. I am not agreeing it's, to this at it's, all. It's, <laughs> He's getting a stomach ache. He's getting a little tummy ache from the planar bridge. The Vornclex pops out. Oh uh, my god. <laughs> my, no. We're not having Tezzeret be a C, having a C-section every time. Every time he transports a planar <laughs> oh god no Tezzeret Impreg fan fiction's coming oh god I mean we already got it for Tibble it's too late uh, oh, oh god that's true oh does that make does that make Tezzeret the granddad because Vorinclex oh, came out of my. oh I can't <laughs> um, I'm sorry I said it now <laughs> so Tezzeret is told that he must be the one to present Karn to Elish Norn in order to get his reward um, and then he complains about being underdressed for the occasion. And Ajani, who he is kind of suspicious of, like he he assumes that there may be some trace of Ajani left in him. And I think um, we've had characters in the past who have been Phyrexianized and then been normal afterwards. So I don't think it's impossible. But um, Ajani hands him Elspeth's cloak to kind of get more dressed up for the occasion and he thinks this is even more suspicious um and that it may be a secret plead for help so yeah it's like a it's like a really interesting moment because it's like a johnny so tezzeret's like oh but i'm like i look gross and johnny's like here use this to clean up and he hands him tezzeret or uh, elspeth's cloak and it's like johnny didn't have to do that like that, so, like, that's the point where Tezzeret's like, why would he do this? Is this him saying something? And I think it's reasonable to think that, like, maybe maybe Ajani is somewhere still in there and he's, like, trying to push through somehow. And this is, like, a way of him doing that. And he also, like, it also brings up the memory for Tezzeret where Bolas always accounted for Ajani whenever he was making his schemes. And it's... It's inside to Bolus's machinations that we never really saw from other story. There's some good Bolus lore in this story. I like that. <laughs> so Tezzeret agrees to escort Karn's disassembled self through the mycosynth and into the core where Elish Norn is residing, um, but ends up murking his guide and <laughs> taking <laughs> a personal detour to the now rebuilt Panopticon. Um, he has a discussion discussion with a very lucid Karn or Karn's head because 
carrying heads through the depths of Phyrexia is a normal thing that happens twice to Nichols <laughs> and discovers that he cannot spy on Elish Norn. Um, she has essentially protected herself from this surveillance system that was originally set up by Memnarch hundreds centuries ago. So, interesting. Elish Norn um, welcomes Karn and Tezzeret when they arrive into her sanctum. She instructs Tezzeret that, mm, just one more thing, uh, he will not have his reward yet, that he has to deal with the planeswalkers on Dominaria first. Karn pretends to be a bit haywire, which I think is like a pretty skillful acting job. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I'm I'm normal, I'm normal. Oh, I'm a busted robot. Like, yeah, and, he, he goes back to his old Joe era as my friend mantra. Yes, exactly. And I'm like, okay, he's hamming it up. I love it. Throughout the story, uh, Tezzeret has these encroaching thoughts of Phyrexia and compliation, which are scaring him. He remembers being inoculated all the way back in Dark Discoveries when he was sent there to uh, survey the threat of the Phyrexia under the direction of Bolas. And mm, he's kind of not doing so hot and hears some voices. And at one point in the story, Karn's like, hey, you hear those voices, right? Like, you're not normal. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm definitely normal. I'm, I could be more most normal. normal. Yeah, <laughs> but he is obviously... Even if he's not infected, he is uh, developing some paranoia over the fact that they are able to uh, complete, complete planeswalkers and um, that he's not far down the list of tools that they could use if they decided to turn mm -hmm. on him. So, Yeah, I think he, he like mentions that his body is getting torn up by the planar bridge and he says that like Urabrask and his folks have been um restoring it with restore the... him yeah. yes but so he he's... fears that the metal could be tainted and could be mm -hmm. tainting his composition pre presenting uh phyrexian influence into him and i really think that he might be because he's he does like have this like recurring italicized thought process throughout the whole story where he's like thinking these lines that are definitely phyrexian uh, so like I, I trust pretty well that he's like, I think he's being in some way corrupted. I don't know necessarily if he is like going to be completed or if he's still inoculated, but I think that he's definitely like struggling with that. And I think he absolutely needs his dark steel body and to get the heck out of there if he wants to survive. Um, just to, this, this is also a reminder for you to uh, get your booster shots for things like the <laughs> flu and COVID, you know? Just in case, you never know. You might have gotten one inoculation many years ago from some dragon demigod, but you need more. <laughs> you need another one. Um, there is some bolus lore in this. I yeah. love that. Was not expecting it at all. We got a couple of moments uh, mentioning the Ajani stuff, and then also like Tezzeret says that like, hey, he talked with Bolus before you know the Elder Spell stuff, and like Bolus agreed. That one of his first actions, once he becomes a god, should be to eliminate New Phyrexia. Like just nuking it? Perfectly fine. Yeah, well, I think when you're like a planeswalker god, you just kind of like snap your fingers and collapse it into a power stone or something. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, he was, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, good story. Good Tezzeret story. We don't get a lot of Tezzeret, and this was it, a good one. It was the equivalent of the Master of Metal comic for making me sympathetic towards Tezzeret, even though I did not want to be. Like, I think this guy's a shitbag. I do not like him. Pretty good story, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm not sympathetic, but I definitely enjoyed the story. Like, if he gets got, he gets got. I'm happy with that. But, like, he was cool. Uh Speaking of that, we didn't mention at the top of the show that Boom Studios Magic number 20 came out and holy crap it is so good speaking of Tezzeret. Why would you why would you mention speaking of Tezzeret? We're not talking about that comic right now. <laughs> it is uh Look, what is a, it on the agenda an, for? It's a very interesting conclusion. We got we got all the way until like halfway through December before we talk about Boom, so uh Yeah, anyways. despite not being on those episodes, I'm certainly keeping up and that was an issue um that was a good comic but uh <laughs> anyways uh that was episode or excuse me chapter three 
need to remember these are chapters, not episodes. Um, we uh, we kind of end that episode with like Elish Norn kind of like waving off Tezzeret and being like, yeah, yeah, time for you to go, buddy. You're not. I don't care. Uh, and Tezzeret going back to Dominaria and being like, Rona, what's going on? And Rona's like, I know where they are and we're going to attack them. Uh, and we're, we've got some Elish Norn elite troops with us. And then uh, we go to chapter four. Well, well, guess what happens in chapter four? Um, so this one is The Dark, uh, which has a quote from the Book of Tao. Bathed in hallowed light, the infidels looked upon the impurities of their souls and despaired. Uh, this chapter is really cool. Uh, this is the uh, Elspeth episode. So we just had Tezzeret one. Now we have an Elspeth episode. She's like training herself and like these defense automatons um, in the tower. So like she's there to protect Teferi and the temporal anchor and all of them as they plan for their defenses. And so she's like helping bolster the defenses of the tower um, and she's also kind of like reckoning with her place in this group of planeswalkers. She, most of them know who she is. They know who she is either through a Johnny or through like, I guess, Tamiyo. Um, They know who she is from like past interactions. Karn knew who she was. But like, she doesn't really know any of them. She doesn't really know these people at all. Uh, and she's a little awkward because like, she just lost a Johnny, but a lot of them are still convinced that a Johnny is savable. Um, or there's something they can do when, like, she is treating it like he's dead. Um, and she didn't really know Jaya that well. And they're all, like, real bummed about Jaya. So she's, like, in kind of, like, an awkward position. Uh, she does have, like, this moment where she shares a drink with uh, Joda and Chandra. Um, is it Chandra? It's Chandra, right? I think it's Chandra. Uh, <laughs> but she, like, shares this moment with them. And uh, she's kind of, like, loosening up and, and becoming more of a member of the team. Uh, and then Phyrexian's attack, because, like, we just got that foreshadowed in the previous ep- uh, chapter where uh, it's a bunch of Phyrexians and they're attacking the tower. And uh, Joda has this, like, cool illusionary barricade that he sets up. It's like a really, like, really cool fight scene. Um, it's like a war against Phyrexians and they have, like, their defense automatons. But a lot of it is being done by Elspeth and Joda teaming up together to, like, cast some spells and do some magic and, like, fight the Phyrexians. Um, really interesting choice to team up Joda and Elspeth. Not really the the team I would expect, but pretty cool. Uh, they end up facing off against this like giant flying Phyrexian with like a billion legs, and it's really creepy. Um, some people thought it was the Weatherlight. I don't think it's the Weatherlight. They wouldn't really like kill off the Weatherlight like that. Um, and uh, Elspeth casts Jaya's Immolating Inferno, kinda. Um, as you know, Joda like hands her this packet and is like, here, this is something that Jaya had saved for the Phyrexians. Uh, I think you can do it. Really, there's not a big difference between fire and light anyways. Um, so Elspeth uh, casts the spell. She like draws on memories of the land. Huh? You know, like that. I did. I did think it was funny that he did pitch it as Chandra first. He's like, man, you're kind of better at this. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so Elspeth, like, casts this ma- massive spell with Joda, and they, like, destroy the Phyrexians, and it's really cool. Uh, and then Rona shows up, and Rona's like, y'all are weak. And she's, like, fighting Elspeth, and she's not doing a good job. Uh, and eventually, uh, Elspeth gets the upper hand, but not until Joda gets, like, really wounded. And so Elspeth is like, oh my god, trying to, like, help Joda not die. Um, and it's pretty clear that she has the ability to, to keep Joda alive. Um, but then... The, the little shit boy shows up and the master arrives. Um, the master of metal himself arrives. Uh, and he's like, hey, uh, sucks what happened to Joda. You should definitely take care of him. I'm going to go uh, kill your friends. And Elspeth's like, well, I'm going to stop you. And Tezzer's like, well, if you stop me, Joda's going to die. So I'm going to take Rona and I'm going to leave. And these other troops are going to do my job. Uh, and so... Uh, that's kind of where that chapter ends with like, it's kind of a bummer. <laughs> Elspeth is like trying to save uh, Joda and then uh, she can't fight Tezzeret and Tezzeret is taking Rona off. Uh, also, throughout this whole episode or this chapter, excuse me, uh, there is like this long letter that we only discover is really a letter at the end of the, the chapter. Uh, well, no, it starts with dearest Elspeth. So I guess we know it's a letter, but it's this, like letter all about Elspeth and like, talking about like her fears and describing things like uh 
the the person she let die or the person she saved on Bant and like how uh, after she left that like ruined his hope uh, and like talks about Daxos and Calyx and like it's really needling Elspeth specifically throughout the whole thing over and over again. And then you remember like at the very end, you find out that this letter is being written by Ashiok. And I thought that was just chef's kiss right there. We, we paid the one red red and cast chef's kiss. It, it was just like <laughs> beautiful, beautiful writing, uh, beautiful usage of the character. Um, super creepy. Ashiok is so creepy. They are not the kind of person you want to mess with. In our continuing saga of slowly backfilling Theros beyond that story. <laughs> you know, I, d- I do. Everybody is like, oh, it's an unreliable narrator. Ashiak could be just saying these things for the sake of tormenting Elspeth, which is true. Um, mm-hmm. But what they say about Daxos and Calyx seem extremely plausible. <laughs> yeah. And I hope that they are true. They also like Tezzeret being like, Lord forbid this be the last time we fucking interact on Pieces Out. <laughs> so, like, I do not want to see Elspeth Tyrell again. Yeah, he like he says something along the lines of like the next time you uh, try and kill Rona, you need to aim for the neck. Um, okay, Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> but it's about some. It's like it's pretty clear when you're reading this that like there is a part of Tezzeret that is enjoying what he's doing, but there's yes. another part of Tezzeret that's like, God, I really wish this would just be over. Can y'all just win? <laughs> like he just he's, he's slowly putting on less of a performance of actually giving a shit about this interaction and more mm-hmm. of a. Um, please, for the love of God, just like actually kill these people. <laughs> like, it's funny to me that he's going about it this way because I feel like there are other planeswalkers who can do what he's wanting the Phyrexians to do easier, like mm-hmm. Sahili or Karn. If he if he just wants a, a, a dark steel body, that's like those are two planeswalkers that can help him do that. So it there is a line at the end of the chapter that I think was um particularly telling about Tezzeret's space in this narrative. Uh after Tezzeret's like, hey, you could fight me right now, but you're pretty weak. I'd probably kill you, and uh Joda would die. So like you should probably heal Joda. Uh and Elspeth says says, Why? Why are you sparing me? And Tezzeret says, Small cracks, Terrell. That's how even the mightiest edifice begins to crumble. So he's he's sort of just like saying, like, hey. I know that I am helping Phyrexia, but every time I let one of you live or I, you know, let something slip through the crack, it starts destroying Elish Norn a little bit by little bit. So, And there's been no other reference to small cracks with regards to Elish Norn or Elspeth for that matter. Our last chapter is Exodus. Uh, so we kind of flash back to uh, before the attack where the Gathered Planeswalkers are... Uh, including Nissa and Chandra are discussing the state of affairs with their allies, trying to figure out like what the best course of action is. Um, and then the attack starts. Um, Nissa is working with Ren and Seven to bolster the local defense. And like, they are really like comboing off with each other. Cause like Nissa is able to buff up uh, seven to be an awesome, huge tree. And they're just, taken out all the uh, elite forces that are coming through. Um, then the temporal anchor explodes and uh, we we kind of see this uh, weird thing uh, in this sort of stasis. Um, and we see that he's kind of washed up in a beach uh, and where is unclear? And I like to think that it's Zalfir because, like, he's not—he's not being held by uh, Kaya anymore. So he's physically somewhere else, like he's or mentally somewhere else, but his body is still there. But they can't really do anything with it because, like, the the mental chain that Kaya put up is. Uh, not in effect and he can't communicate with her when he tries to um on this beach so i'm hoping that he's physically projected himself to wherever zalfir is phased out and i hope that's that's uh something that we finally get zalfir coming back 
and I wouldn't be surprised if it's somewhere. Or okay, we can discuss that later. Uh, so we <laughs> we phase back to a different part in the story where this is kind of an epilogue, but we see the strike team of Jace, Nissa, Vraska, Nahiri, the Wanderer, Kaido, Luca of all people, Tyvar, who Chandra has imp- implied that he's allergic to shirts because he's always bare chested. I'm assuming, <laughs> <laughs> which g- good good for you, Boro. If, if if I had that body, I I, I, I could feel I could understand. Uh, Kaya and Elspeth, and they're all going to join Koth, Ha Koth Watch, and Urbrask on uh, New Capenna. Wait, uh, New Phyrexia. <laughs> uh, someone added a note here that it's Nine Titans 2.0. Uh, you know, you don't invite Luca unless you want a Nine Titans situation. <laughs> <laughs> not that, not that I think Jace's Urza and trying to, you know harness a dead planeswalker's life force in order to charge a bomb but um you, also you do have uncooperative people yeah nahiri who gets an immediate standoff with nissa and she's like yeah. i am going to tsunami you right now and jace is like no i invited her it's cool <laughs> we'll take who we can get i understand when you when you're kind of short on uh on uh you know planeswalkers you invite whoever you can get but like Nahiri and Luca. <laughs> okay, let's let's mentally run through who has been here, and it is pretty much every single planeswalker from Zendikar Rising to present that has like <laughs> been in the story. Like we have Ikoria planeswalkers, we had Vivian in story one and Luca here. Um We haven't had um Narset yet. Uh, no, not Narset. I was thinking oh gosh, what's her name? Blue Green Kazmina. Uh, yes, there you go. Yeah. But like for the most part, we have gotten a bulk of the planeswalkers that have come through there. Kazmina, uh, Will and Rowan are still Garrick. AFKish, yeah. But like it's been pretty like pulling from the recent sets. So um that's kind of inspiring. Like seeing Wanderer, mm. Kaido, uh, Tyvar all chilling here. It's nice. <laughs> uh so there, there was another thing in the story in this chapter that I forgot to like. I just remembered it when we were talking about it. Um, there's like an extended scene where Nyssa communes with the world soul of Dominaria and we get like confirmation that it's Gaia. Like we kind of so like world souls, we've discussed them before on the podcast like a long time ago. I think like before I even joined the podcast, there was an episode where there was some discussion of like what is a world soul? Um, and we knew the world soul on Ravnica was Vidugazi. We knew, like, the world soul on uh, Zendikar is Ashaya. Like, sometimes they have names. Sometimes they don't. The world soul of, like, uh, was, like, Amenket is just, like, rotted and dead or something. Same thing uh, with Innistrad. And Innistrad, yeah. But, like, the world soul of, of Dominaria, for a long time, we, like, assumed it was Gaia. Like, Gaia is, like, commonly referred to as, like, the soul of Dominaria or whatever. Uh, but this story, like, gave us confirmation that, like, Gaia is the world soul. Nyssa has, like, a direct contact with her and, like, has a conversation to which Gaia's like, I'm not helping you people. You people are awful. Like, every time, like, disaster after disaster after disaster caused by you people, specifically planeswalkers, I don't want to get involved. And then Nyssa's like, look, I don't care. (laughs) She's like, we have to fight these people and you should help. We are trying to save you. Which I think Joda has also, like, Joda notably weary and kind of tired of um, all the complications that Planeswalkers bring into the equation, recognizes that Dominaria does die if he doesn't uh, help these folks out. Yeah, and uh, the fun thing is we get sort of a throwback to, uh, was it Invasion Block? When uh, Gaia turns a bunch of Phyrexians into the woodsmen, wood people, whatever they're called. Yeah, that happens again in this story. Cool stuff. I thought that was really fun. It was like, cool, we get like a whole like Nyssa being a badass moment. And also like Nyssa uses the Sword of the Animus to kill like an Angel Phyrexian, which was fun. Um, Just so many deep cuts in these stories. Like, I can't even, I can't quantify all of them. Like, Reinhardt went all out. Yes. And we still have another half of the arguably deeper, older cuts to go through. Uh, Yeah. I think that like... I mean, like, both sets of stories are just full of, like, they're kind of, like, written, like, love letters to people who like magic lore, right? 
So like the Brothers War past stories feel like it's like, hey, all of you people who loved the Brothers War novel and all of you like who fell in love with the story of the brothers fighting each other and like grew up looking at cards from antiquities back when like antiquities was coming out. Like those people read the past stories and like, this is for us. This is like a story for us. And then these present stories, I feel are like a love letter to recent magic story too. Mm -hmm. Like there's deep cuts. There's like stuff about Gaia for sure. It's like a deep cut. There are some really deep cuts in these stories. We'll have to ask Reinhardt for some more of them. But like they wrapped up so many plot threads in these present stories. It was like, guess what? We're bringing it all together. We've got like, we, we're going to tell you what Vorinclex was up to. We're going to tell you what's going on with Norn's plans. We're going to tell you why they took the moon silver key from Innistrad. Like, we're just going to take all of those little, like, hanging little threads and we're going to start weaving them together into the story so that now you're good. And more importantly, nobody seemed to be complaining that they were impossible jumps. Like, these were unbelievable uses for the items or the plot threads or the characters. It was all stuff like, this is how we feel like they would naturally interact. Um, time travel story aside, I know people aren't keen on time travel stories. And I think this one, uh, not to spoil the past set of stories, but didn't have much of an impact on the past, um, had more of an impact on the present. So I can't wait till we get Zalfer back in uh, uh, OB1 or something, because uh, it would be perfect for Zalfir to come back right as the uh, the final battle is getting ready and we always knew that, or we kind of had this conversation when we had Amanda on, but like Zalfir was probably the best uh, technological nation on Dominaria, and they would be they were ready for war at the time yeah. when when uh, Teferi phased them out to save them from themselves, so they could be ready for another fight. Yeah, I think this set that up really well. I think um, if they brought back Zalfir because Teferi accidentally, magically phases himself onto Zalfir's beach, I guess, uh, if they bring back Zalfir, this would feel really well earned and it wouldn't feel like just kind of like, oh, we decide Zalfir's back. Yes. You know, it would it would feel appropriate in the story. Uh, So I hope they do it. If they don't, if there's something else going on, like whatever. I feel like that's got to be the only option it is. Um, such a perfect capstone to the Dominaria side of the saga for Phyrexia. So, yeah. Other notable stuff. Nyssa and Chandra hanging out together in proximity to one another, even arriving together. Clearly not dating, though. <laughs> Clearly not dating, but, like, I don't know. It's pretty nice to see planeswalkers interacting without... uh big rain clouds over <laughs> like <laughs> the the rain cloud of phyrexia is still there but um for the most part like not to draw the obvious parallel but this is what we needed for any kind of major event in the past whether that includes war of the spark in particular who knows <laughs> but like this is the planeswalkers interacting and becoming more human characters together uh, despite whether all of them are human or not like they are just getting interpersonal interactions and we get to see that and people were asking for this because they were denied it with jaya and the uh, dominari united story like we didn't really get a chance to meet and like interact with jaya without her um having to be mentoring chandra or doing something in the war novels and that was kind of a robbed opportunity, but now we are getting dedicated. Here is Elspeth's development during this time. Here is Tezret's development during this time. Mm-hmm. Here is Tefiri having another heartfelt conversation with Ren and being uncomfortably honest during it. It is just the perfect primer for everything that will go wrong in the war inevitably, but it was um, what we needed to be connected to Planeswalker heroes beyond um, just the fact that the Gatewatch existed prior to war and with how many people were involved with war that added to the messiness. But like this feels like the perfect build up before Phyrexia or before March of the Machines more appropriately, because I don't know if the 
invasion force necessarily arrives in Phyrexia all will be one. I, I'm thinking that uh, the next set and Phyrexia all will be one or one. Uh, love that the set codes are bro one mom. Uh, <laughs> love to stay in a single mom. Um, wow. But uh, anyways, uh, I think that the next set is going to be focused pretty much primarily on this like strike force, you know, because like it's set on new Phyrexia. We just got this like lead up to like, hey, we're sending all these planeswalkers onto new Phyrexia. So, like, we don't have any inside information. We can speculate as long as we don't share information about the alpha of Magic Legends. None of us are under NDA. Um, so, like, I think speculatively, the next set is just going to kind of focus on that strike team. Maybe we'll, like, hear a little bit about what's going on on Dominaria. Uh, but I think March of the Machine will be where we get, like, the story that shows Teferi coming back and Zalfir coming with him. And we'll get, like, some like closure on that we'll probably get like another really cool liliana moment because they mention liliana is on dominaria helping them out just not at the tower um because i don't think she'd be very well welcomed amongst all of these planeswalkers after you know war of the spark but she's there um so like there i think it'll be cool it'll be really fun to see how this all wraps up with march of the machine but I'm expecting the next set to be really focused on that strike team. We're going to get Luca's story. We're going to get Tyvon. <laughs> we don't need Luca's story. We could just do, we could just give him a slice of the pie to Tyvar. <sighs> Luca's story. He's smelly. Yeah. No. Um. And can I can I say the one obvious thing is that in story one there is the art of the what we now know as Realm Breaker, even though I said it was Realm Breaker before when it wasn't named, but now it's been named as Realm Breaker Tree. And it has like exactly 10 nodes on it. Wouldn't that be like so fucked up if they only had 10 planes that they could connect to and each of them was one of the like drafted color pairs for one of the color combinations. Like I, just, I, I know my hatred of cycles is eternal. But that's totally what's going to happen. It is kind of annoying, you know? So I think that art in uh, in chapter one is like right after Elspeth is talking about the world tree on Kaldheim. Yes. So I'm thinking that's just an image of Kaldheim's world tree and how it works. Yeah. but So like, I don't know if that's Realm Breaker, but we do hear about Realm Breaker from Elish Norn, I think. Yes, it is. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm obviously optimistic about how they'll mm. execute it, but like... When you have that many different planes and that many different factions, like there's obviously going to be a mechanical split, and we we saw it with Origins, we saw it with Kaldheim. I'm uh, I'll hold my breath. Here's the problem with that thought: is that uh, there also has to be Phyrexians. So, yeah. like, I'm thinking speculatively of March of the Machine. If we are gonna realm break and combine, connect all these different planes, I'm thinking we're gonna see like. Uh, you know, like a blue red color archetype that's all Kaladesh, you know, and like a maybe like a, a what would like Theros be like white blue, maybe that's like Theros, but then like black red is gonna be Phyrexia, and like maybe like black green is Phyrexia, and then like there's like a black white that's like Innistrad or something, you know, yeah. something like that, something um, to spice it up. It is, um, yeah. I kind of want my fi- I, w- I want the final thought question if this isn't too too forward. Um, who are the planeswalkers you don't want to see get completed? Don't want to see get completed. Yeah, like like top top two or three. We can we can each do one we want to see completed, one we don't want to see completed. Ooh, okay, that's torture, but yes. All right, uh, you know that's a great idea, Brian. You have to go first. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the one I want to see completed. Is Tezzeret right before he gets killed? The one I don't want to see completed is Koth, because he's got one card. <laughs> I think that is very fair. I think if they complete Koth, that would just be such a god-awful feeling of like, cool, you didn't have this character in story for 10 years and then completed him off. Like, uh, I think it would be pretty cool to see a completed Nahiri. I think she is evil in a lot of ways, but also not in a lot of ways. I think she would mesh really well with Phyrexia. Uh, and, like, think of, like, her power set with Phyrexia. It would be pretty cool. Um, 
also, yes, we have made a lot of jokes before on the Discord about the concept of both Soren and Nahiri getting completed and then still just hate <laughs> each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I they're both completed. They're like completed under Elish Norn, and yet they just fight each other instead of fighting uh, anyone else. But yeah, I think uh, Nahiri being completed would be pretty cool. And uh, they absolutely better not do anything to Kaito. I will be very upset if they hurt Kaito or the Wanderer. I don't think they need to be completed. I think that would be a waste of the characters, but specifically Kaito. He is a new good boy. Do not complete Kaito. Also, like we only have so many Kamigawan planeswalkers. Like, yeah, that's my more pressing one. concern is like, yeah, um, you know who who I want to see completed, even though I think it's a long shot, but I think it would be so fucking funny. Dakin, like, <laughs> oh my like, God. here's the thing. We have Jared. We have Dahada. We don't know where Dakin went and we don't necessarily know whether he would be a planeswalker or not. But just for like, um, just for the horror aspect of like, um, Dahada and Jared are both resisting Phyrexia clearly in different ways at this point. Um, but Dakin is returned and just a bastard Phyrexian man. I don't think they'll do it, but it would be funny regardless. Um, and then the one I don't want to get completed is who. Let me look through the list of the people who are going into the strike force. <laughs> Those are like the, the highest likely. Yeah, right? they're the they're the highest rank. Um, I know people have had their theories about Elspeth and the two songs and oh, she could be tainted. Nah, that's that's a red herring. That's that's the red herring along with Tezzeret being completed. I don't think he's uh, infected at all. I think he's just, um, you know concerning himself too much with that possibility well uh don't don't do it don't do it to jace don't do it to jace there's my there's my plead even though i feel like it's a valid choice at this point the fact that we got robbed of any kind of jace vraska content immediately following more of the spark and then whether there was ever a sequel to that yeah (laughs) <laughs> exactly the fact that we haven't had any truly happy jace fresca content like do not rob us of that before we actually get somebody who treasures it as much as lures did to write about it so write about it in the main canon i'll say yeah i was about to say <laughs> if you want good jace fresca like go read the comics they're real good um yeah i think that uh those are all some pretty valid choices i I would like to, so like, here's the hard part is like, I would like to see some more planeswalkers completed because I think it's like a cool thing that can happen now. Uh, but I also like don't really know who I would be okay with them completing. There's got to be one surprise one in one, right? Uh, Estrid. Yeah, I did, I did consider Estrid because I was like, who can we throw away at this point? <laughs> but, um, there's, I, I, I will bet on there being exactly one surprise planeswalker who we wouldn't expect to be there that has been completed in the meantime and off screen and that people wouldn't be offended by being oh god oh oh no i just i was just saying earlier that guff watches at zero but Mm. no we can't we can't revive (laughs) guff for this reason oh god (laughs) for hexagonized guff all right um if you want any cursed ideas, uh, you can get some more of those on our Discord server. Uh, that is going to be our final thoughts. So I'm just going to transition us directly into asking people for money. Uh, give me your money. Um, don't don't take that seriously. Anyways, we do have a Discord server. Uh, you can access it by joining our Patreon at $1 a month. And you'll get on our Discord server where people do all sorts of cool stuff. Talk about TV shows. Talk about Magic Story. Uh, share our ideas for like custom planeswalker cards for the boom comics planeswalker Zona. Uh, that happens a lot. Uh, we do all sorts of fun stuff on the discord. It's great. You should join it. It's just $1 a month at our Patreon, patreon.com slash the Uh, if you want to give us more money, um, and we do like money, uh, you can give us $3 a month and get access to our live listen tier where you get to hear us talk for like a while before and after the episode about like other stuff and sharing our cursed thoughts about like, I don't know, 
other planeswalkers we want to see completed. Uh, I'll think of like a really fun one and I'll share it just with the live listeners after we're done recording. Uh, so all of you out there know you're missing out on like a really fun idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, $3 a month for the live listen. And uh, that's like the only tiers we have on Patreon. So if you want to support us, we appreciate it in any way that you can. Uh, you could also follow us on Twitter at Twitter at the Vorthos cast on Twitter. Uh, that's where we post updates about the show uh, and it's it's a cool thing to do. Uh, but other than that, is there anything else I'm supposed to say to close this out? Does anyone remember? Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.